Hi everybody, this is Bob Olson with Afterlife TV. This is where we search for evidence of life after death and ask the meaningful questions about that subject. You can find us at afterlifetv.com. Today we're going to be talking about soul contracts, specifically discovering the soul contracts that influence your relationships. We're going to be asking uh, a guest named Danielle McKinnon exactly what soul contracts are, how they influence our lives, uh, what we can do about it if we don't like the way it's influencing our lives. She's the expert on this subject, and she was our first guest ever on Afterlife TV. We're so happy to have you back, Danielle. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. I'm happy to be here. It's always fun to be with you. I know. <laughs> we always, it always is. <laughs> we've, uh, we've already had some outtakes of this show before we got started, so we'll, we'll see how the rest of it goes. But anyways, uh, this subject is really interesting to me. I had a soul contract reading with you. I don't even know how long ago, a couple of years ago. It was amazing. It was fascinating for me to learn really why certain people are in my life, uh, the, the purpose behind our relationships, what, I am the, what I'm in, in their life to help them with and what they're in my life to help me with. It gives you a big, bigger perspective of, of our relationships. But uh, other than that, why don't you just define to us really what is a soul contract? Okay, so a soul contract in a relationship is an agreement that your soul and another soul make before coming into body to work on something together to further both of your souls toward enlightenment. So it's um, it's nothing that happens when we're alive. It really, I mean, it really happens when we're in that that whatever we're going to call it that netherland kind of before embodiment, and it's for the greatest and highest good of both souls involved. Interesting. Um, can you give us an example of one or two? Um, a woman who, so we've got a soul who wants to work on, in the upcoming life, wants to work on becoming very independent, being in charge of her life and, and directed and confident and independent. So she may go to another soul and say, hey, this is what I have to work on. And that, that other soul will say, okay, cool, I'll help you work on that. And, and I'll do it by being really, really, really needy. <laughs> So, and, and then the two souls come together at some point in the lifetime and that soul contract gets activated and they start working on it. Okay, interesting. All right, that's fascinating. Um, and, and I'm sure we'll get some more examples as we go along. So I want to know where this begins and ends. So, you know, do we have soul contracts with everyone in our life or just the major relationships that we have? It's completely insane. We have soul contracts with every person, every animal, every being in our life. We have a soul contract with them. Every single one. Oh. Even there's a soul contract with, you know, I have a soul contract with my son's teacher, even though I don't see her that often. Or I have a soul contract with the person who's bagging my groceries at the grocery store. Even though they're not a major influence in my life, they're still working on helping me move through my life and helping my soul evolve. That's so it gets very, very complicated when you start thinking about it because it's like crisscrossing. I mean, there's, it, we're all helping each other. But some of us are helping each other in bigger ways than others. So there's main soul contracts and then there's sub-soul contracts. So the, the person at the grocery store that I don't really engage with that much, that's probably going to be a sub-soul contract. Okay. All right. So 
like primary themes and secondary themes kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I had a question. How do we know when we have a soul contract with someone? You just kind of answered that. Uh, <laughs> they're in our lives. Then we have one. Okay. The difficulty, though, is that um, a lot of people don't know what it is. You right. know, they're like, I know there's a reason that my mother-in-law is irking me like this. I know there's a soul contract in place here, yeah. but I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't know how to get through it. All right. Well, before we even get to there... Uh, now you've got me w wondering about the pets, the animals in our lives. Uh, they have souls. Do we also have soul contracts with them? Absolutely. The animals in our lives, actually it's really cool. So that this is where I learned about soul contracts in the first place was from animals because I work with animals as well. And the animals in our lives, they have a little bit more of a one-way soul contract. So between a human and a human, or two human souls, the soul contract is going to directly benefit both the both of the humans but with animals and humans the soul contract is going to directly benefit the human and as the human heals and moves forward and becomes you know moves toward enlightenment whatever we're going to call it the uh... animal soul benefits by having a happier healthier human oh interesting okay uh, I should mention now, the, the very first interview we did was on uh, Do Pets Go to the Afterlife. We talked about a lot more than that in that interview. Really fascinating, and so I'll link that up in the show notes underneath this video uh, so people, if they want to watch that, they can, because there's a lot to be learned. And, and if anybody watched that, they would recognize what you just said resonates perfectly with, with what you taught us in that. So... Why don't we just start, well, let me ask this as far as pets and animals. Okay, so where does that begin and end? If a spider runs across my path, is, do I have a soul contract with that? You it, do. It, <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you have a soul contract with every, every animal. Uh, there's, it took me a while to really accept it, but the animals told me over and over and over again. There, I had a soul contract with every dead animal on the side of the road. Oh. They were helping me to learn to accept death and that it's okay because I was having a very hard time thinking of any animal suffering. Yeah. So all of these animals came together to be dead animals on the side of the road over a period of a few years, helping me accept that piece. Hmm. All right. So, so this just, you know, you saying that, it just makes me wonder. So. I understand that not everything has a soul, but do we have some kind of similar like contract then with every every inanimate thing in our lives? If if I bump my my knee on the coffee table, do you know is that s sort of the same kind of relationship that I'm supposed to learn something from that? Like you were as yes. you're driving by the dead, you know, the dead animal on the side of the road. Yes, but no. So. Um it's not because there's another type of soul contract out there. There's soul contracts and relationships, which are those soul contracts, like I said, before embodiment, the two souls come together. Yep. But then there's also soul contracts that we take out when we're in our um, everyday life. Like oh. I could have taken out a soul contract in this life. And perhaps that soul contract is one where I'm, uh, like a really popular one is people who overgive. They do too much for other people. So in something like, um, bumping your knee against the table or getting into a car accident because you're really, really tired because you, you just spent five hours helping somebody 
despite how tired you were, you really shouldn't have been, that would be a case where, yes, there's a soul contract involved, but it's a self-soul contract versus one involving another soul. Okay. But uh, no, no soul contracts with tables. Good, good. <laughs> well, I was just reading a book, you know, there's somebody about who had had a near-death experience, and she was talking about how, you know, even within in inanimate objects there's a consciousness not the way we would think of a consciousness but there's a consciousness within there so uh, you know then you were talking about the animal on the side of the road and you know uh it just it gets you thinking it gets you wondering about these different possibilities that exist in talking about the soul contracts involving relationships how do they begin you know you, you briefly mentioned it at the beginning this is the idea where two souls are in the afterlife, really pre-birth, and they get together. This is more, probably more, really on an infinite basis. Yes. You know, lots of souls getting together who are going to be having a lifetime at the same period in history, we'll say, and um, and they each talk about how they can help one another with their with their things that they want to accomplish, the ways that they want to grow, and things they want to experience. Is, is, that, is it as simple as that? If you're going to call that simple. <laughs> <laughs> Infinite, that's simple. <laughs> it is. It's, it's as simple as that, but, I mean, then you have to think about it because that means every person and every animal you come in contact with in this lifetime, in that pre-birth place, you're actually the soul is actually connecting with each one and arranging all of this. It it is very, um, very in depth. Okay. <laughs> very okay. In depth. All right. So along those lines, then when you know a lot of people, you know, say they say they go to the pound, they go to the shelter to get a. Uh, do we even have pounds anymore? I don't know. They, they, <laughs> you're showing puppies. your age, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go to the shelter, and and you go for to to find yourself a, a puppy. And, you know, a lot of people say the puppy found me. You know, they walk in, the puppy goes running up to them, that sort of a thing. Um, it's very easy, especially if you're in that relationship, to think, oh, this was meant to be. You know, because you can't imagine your life without them after a certain period of time. But um, do we have any control over that? This is sort of a free fate versus free will sort of thing. But, but are we drawn? I understand we always have free will, but are we really drawn together? Uh, with we'll say the cats and the dogs in our lives, uh, as well as the humans, the, the the friendships and the relationships make sense. You you're born into a family, right? Yeah. But with these other things like friends and pets, they you you're drawn together in a way that was destined. You're drawn together according to the contract. Now it's not it doesn't have to be that you're going to meet this dog or this man or this teacher at that time but basically at some point in this lifetime you're gonna connect up with the souls that you made these agreements with so I mean of course there's free will maybe you were gonna go to the pound and you didn't well you're gonna meet that soul in a different way and it's the same thing with people when um, you know how you've, have you ever met someone and right away been like oh, I feel like I, I've known them forever yep. you know yep. this is an active soul contract right here but on the flip side People will say it's a mistake. This dog is too hard. I got the wrong one. Yeah. Or wow, I picked the wrong guy for the relationship because this relationship is terrible. And 
it's not. It, yes, you're learning a difficult lesson through it, but that soul contract is still there. They're not always positive. They're not always like, wow, soul contract, oh, you know. <laughs> it's very, uh, it can be positive or negative. Okay. All right. Interesting because, you know, when you're talking about, you're talking about soul contracts, you know, a lot of people talk about soul groups, soul families, all that sort of thing. So, so and use that same, that same sort of story about you meet somebody and they seem very familiar. Yep. Uh, is there a difference between those two? Are we, are we, are these two different things happening here or do we just generally, we keep sharing lives with people that are part of our soul group. So we're always going to have soul contracts with those people that we share those lives with. What I've found is that we, as you're mentioning, we reincarnate in soul groups and the bigger soul contracts, kind of the prime, as you called it, the primary soul contracts tend to be with the people who are in our soul families or our soul groups. Okay. And then outside of that, we get into the sub-soul contracts with people who aren't necessarily part of the um, soul group. Okay. Um, all right. And I just want to make sure, so you can have a soul contract with someone you only meet once. Yep. Okay. <laughs> All you right. can have a soul contract with someone who you see on TV and have a visceral reaction to. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Let's let's get into some examples about how soul contracts might affect our lives. Uh, you gave an example at the beginning, but can you can you give us another example of of of, of one where a soul contract maybe between a a parent and a child or two spouses or something like that and, and tell us how how that what that soul contract was and how it affected their lives um yeah so there are soul contracts that are so if we're going to do a soul contract and relationship so we're looking at how the two souls are helping each other the first one i mentioned is overgiving i meet a lot of people who who do that and I just want to go back to that because that can be reflected in a few different ways. The one soul can be the overgiver and they need to learn how to take care of themselves and have some boundaries and be strong. And so they may connect with another soul who says, all right, I'm going to teach you about that through being really needy. Mm -hmm. Or they could meet another overgiver who now the two are kind of battling to overgive to each other, which is going to start bringing that kind of to light as well. So that things can be reflected. They're not always reflected the same way. The same person is not going to learn and master a soul contract necessarily the same way that another person would. And yeah. that makes sense? Yeah. Okay, so then there's, um, we've got soul contracts of, oh, there are so many. Soul contracts of martyrdom. We've got soul contracts of confidence. We've got soul contracts of learning about money. You know, that's a big one. Yeah. By being the one person in the family who doesn't have any money, whereas everybody else has money. Yep. You know, this is going to bring up a whole lot of, a whole lot of issues. Uh, the best yeah. way to figure out if, if you're, you have that soul contract is, is it bugging you? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> one if way it's to... bugging you, you know. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. Um, and so, and, and there can be there can be a lot of different issues within any one of these. So the, you mm -hmm. got, you're talking about the broad issues, but within the broad issues are, you know, like boundary setting, you know, there's all these other things that you can learn and grow boundary from. Boundary setting is a big one. People who can't say no 
or people who don't have boundaries and they get all up in other people's business. Yeah. And then they encounter somebody who's like, you're not, you're not getting up in my business or who, you know, it, everything plays out so differently. But yeah, boundary setting is definitely a big one. And in the example that you gave about money, I mean, so I can see, you know, if, um, if there's someone who just refuses to work in the family um, for whatever reason, he likes to surf. And, and that's all he wants to do is surf. But he's constantly asking for money from, you know, maybe his siblings or his parents. And, and uh, so, you know, that, that brings up a lot of different issues for the siblings and the parents, you know, whether they're going to give, not yeah. give, feelings of guilt if they don't, or, yeah. or, or feelings of regret if they do, you know, all kinds of stuff. But you can see how it would actually serve both parties. Yeah. So the one who needs to learn, I have to earn my own money, I got to get off my butt and work, is going to start learning that by the sibling saying, yeah, I'm not giving you any more money, but probably that sibling has a hard time saying no. Right. So they have to learn how to say no, so you can see how it's kind of like this, both sides, both sides get help. It's perfect. It's almost I like it's, it's almost like it's a spiritual concept or something. Right. Some, it's like something big is going on here. I don't know There's what it is. There's another one um, that's very popular: victim. Victim. Have you ever met somebody where they just feel like the whole world is against them, and no matter what they do, um, they can't come out. You know, they can't be successful. Yeah. And then you'll meet, and they'll have very successful people in their life, and they'll keep looking at the people and feeling jealousy, not able to see well. So-and-so is really successful, but actually they have a lot of self-confidence issues, you know, so as that, that can be another mutually beneficial relationship when you have somebody who's fully in victim and somebody who's successful in the way that person is feeling victimized, they can help each other there. Yeah, I'm just thinking of all the different possibilities that I know. Yeah, really. <laughs> and it plays out differently. You can meet two people who are working on taking control of their lives, not being victims anymore, and they could have to learn that lesson through completely different people in their lives and through completely different methods. Right. So, and I'm not going to get ahead of ourselves because I'm going to ask you what we can do about these things, but in, in a way, I mean, I think a good question that comes up to me is when you have someone in your life who's pushing your buttons in one way or, or another. It's, it's like you said, it's, it's irking you. It's, it's bringing up some emotions that maybe you don't like. And uh, we can just at, sort of ask what the soul contract might be or what message does this have for me? What, what might I be able to learn from this relationship, from this experience? I mean, from a very, I'm going to ask you to go a little deeper than that in a moment, but, but that seems to be the first question that could be really helpful. That, that's, that's the start of starting to kind of master that, that relationship. Yeah. Is, you know, you can ask yourself, why am I in, what am I doing when the buttons are getting pushed? Or what is the subject matter around which the bus buttons are getting pushed? Or, uh, I mean, it really becomes observation. Yeah. And, and, and um, what is our res my responsibility in that, you know, in, in this situation? Uh, can... But a lot of people aren't ready to look at their responsibility. No. <laughs> <laughs> so the first step, <laughs> they're not, they're, but they're willing to go, wow. Whenever she talks about how successful her latest project was and how she's doing so well in sales, etc., you know, whatever it is, wow, really sets me off. Then I know the area to start looking. And for a lot of people, that's that's as far as they can go at first. 
Yeah. Because starting to go into what do I need to do and what, what's my responsibility, that's, it takes a little while to yeah. get to that place. They need to start first seeing how often and how prevalent they're set off in this one area. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, all right, can, so can a soul contract, this is the question I had, can a soul contract neg negatively affect our, live, our lives um, or our, our life? Um, I, can you give us an example of, obviously yes, uh, but um, can you give us an example of a soul contract that might negatively affect your life and then tell us, you know, what can we do about that? Okay. Soul contract that would, let's do money. Okay, so let's do, let's move from um, so the soul contract and relationships to a self-soul contract, one that a person took out in this lifetime or past lifetime, in which they said something like, well, because of an experience they had, either this lifetime or another lifetime, in, because of that experience, they decided, you know, money's really bad, and I'm going to prove that I am a good maybe God-worthy person, God-fearing person, I'm never going to come near money, I'm never going to have it to prove how valuable I am. So when somebody ha says something like this, it actually, you know, it gets lodged in the Akashic Records, the records of the soul. Okay. It's a little contract, goes right into those records and stays there until you do deal with it. Really annoying because then your soul tries to adhere to that contract from then on. So here you are, let's say you took this out in a past lifetime, you come into this lifetime and you have these you know, ningling feelings of, well, money's bad or I don't want to ask for money because that seems greedy. You know, there's, there's this like, you want money but you have to stay away from money and then it would also affect you being able to be successful, being able to make money, being able to get a job that made a lot of money because at the deepest level, the soul level, there's that contract there saying, nope, you're a valuable, worthy person if you don't have money. Money is bad. So it can really get in there. And the crazy thing is you can go and do all the chanting and the you know abundance classes and the books and everything you want. But if that soul contract is still in there, it, illogically almost, you're not going to be able to bring yourself to that place of success and be able to have the money because that soul contract is so strong. Okay. All right. Well, that's very, that's powerful and a little scary to think yeah. about. <laughs> but the cool thing is, if you are someone who's spent all this time trying to do all the all these things to bring success in mm -hmm. or to bring money in, and you're looking around and everybody else, it's working. Like uh, that should have worked, and the, and it really should have worked. Yeah. You pretty much bet. All right. There's got to be a soul contract there. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So that makes sense. Um, what what can we do about that? You know, aside from what can we do that, about that just on our own before we go ask somebody else for help, a third party. Okay, so the the first step is what we already said, which is you have to start noticing where it's showing up. Basically, you need to identify it. Okay, identify. So here here we're having this money problem. Okay, we've identified that there's a that there's a money issue. Okay. But then you have to start kind of honing in on it a little bit. Meaning, is it all money? Is it just money with me? Is it success? How do I feel about money? 
Am I, do I feel like it's dirty? It's bad. If I have it, do I feel like a bad person? Because you kind of have to figure out there's so many different ways these things can manifest that you kind of have to figure out your own personal angle on it. So what I call it is that you now have to go into observation mode. Okay. And, but it's like the observation mode is hardcore observation mode. I always use this example of, you know in the movie Rocky, when it's the movie, mon it's montage time, and he's really training, and he's fully into it, and the music's going, you know, it's close to the end that time. You have to be that committed to yeah. observation mode. Oh, okay. Maybe you're carrying around a notepad, maybe you're recording it, but you're, you're really watching this for in every moment of your life to figure out kind of your angle. What, how did this soul contract really come about for you? What exactly is it? Okay. All right. And... So you've identified it, you've gone into observation mode, you've figured out what your angle is on it. Yes. Then what? Then the coolest thing happens. So now you know, all right, the feeling comes up when in this situation. You start to be able to predict when it will occur, when you'll get the, ooh, can't ask for money because it'll make me feel bad, or when the, whatever that soul contract is, you'll start to be able to predict when it will kind of show up. When you can predict it, what starts to happen is this little um, moment, this little pause happens. Because so you're in a conversation with someone, and the conversation is going in that area where you're like, "Ooh, this is where that soul contract comes up. This is that spot." And normally you would be about to say, "Well, I can never make money," or "I wouldn't ask for whatever it is." Yeah. But because you're predicting this cool little space, it's like this moment in your head arises during which you're aware the soul contract is about to show up, and you can actually take that space to make a different decision. Ah. Uh. Which sounds really simple, but you don't get it until you've really nailed down your angle when it's going to show up and you can predict. Yeah, yeah. Now, does it mean that you will make a different decision every time? No. Sure, sure. <laughs> no, you're not used to it. But now you're given the opportunity. Now there's choice in there. You know, we're talking about free will. Now you're really able to exercise your free will. When that soul contract is there and you don't have that, that moment of choice, that little pause in which to consider what to do, you just go right into that soul contract. It's almost like there isn't free will because you're just, you're, you're driven by it. Yeah, it's a pattern. Yeah. And, and the, old, uh, the old adage of, uh, you know, you, you keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting yeah. a different result. Yeah. And, but we just, we do that unconsciously. Yeah. Uh, and so you're talking about how to do it consciously. How to become very conscious, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's you very gotta cool. You've got to be like Rocky. And, and, and so by making these new choices, step three, making the new choice, um, yeah. you, at least over time or maybe instantaneously, uh, will end up with different results. No, no instantaneous. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you've got to think of it like this. You have to reprogram yourself to make different decisions. Your comfort zone is you always say, wow, well, I don't make money or I've never been successful. So there, it's kind of like over time of do, finding that space and making the different choice enough times, that's kind of like the slow reprogramming that you go through. Yeah. It, 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 I haven't seen it happen instantaneously because it has to, I mean, it really, it, it is, it's a reprogramming. It's a reprogramming that you're doing. If it was instantaneous, that would be the coolest thing ever. 
<laughs> but, you know, if it was instantaneous, then how much are we really learning? You know, I mean, part of this, why we're here and we're human is that this journey. So if we're given opportunities to make better and better decisions on the journey throughout and learn from our experience, that's a lot more um, enjoyable and enlightening than, cool, I made the new decision and it's all set. We're not really evolving then. But I have uh, had experiences where when something came to my consciousness, uh, uh, oh my, oh my, I can't, can't believe that that's what I've been doing. When yes. it came to my consciousness, I didn't have the problem anymore. To me, that seemed instantaneous. Is that different? No, no, I, I agree. That can happen too. I just don't see it happen. Um, it's not the norm. It doesn't happen that often. Yeah, okay. All right. But yeah. all right, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that can't happen. Okay. But I haven't seen it happen that often. But you're right, I have seen that. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not like it happens all every day with me either. But I I can I think I can think of two incidents. <laughs> but here's the thing, it's like all of the background work that you were already doing it. Yes. Doing for that made it seem instantaneous, right. but it really wasn't. There was kind of the slow in the background reprogramming going on to prepare so that it seemed to happen, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, I do a lot of work, so it's not, I can't say that I just woke up one day and said, Ooh. I have an issue, I'm gonna fix that issue today. And, right. and there it was, all gone. Yeah, no, <laughs> all right. Um, do, are these, these are great examples that you've given. That's a, that's a great way to walk through it, identify the issue, figure out what your angle is, the, uh, what do you call that? The observation mode, and yep. and and the then once you can predict pause. it, you yes. can make a new choice. I love that. Yeah. That's perfect. It's it's a great. It's it's pretty simple. I, I I understand the difficulty in it. The difficulty is really going into the the rocky montage mode and being that dedicated because people don't, you know. So there's a. I, I recently encountered a woman who. Um, who has a relative who has cancer and the cancer came about because she really wasn't taking care of herself mm. um, and she was letting everybody else take care of her yeah. instead she wasn't stepping up to the plate so she really had a sole, a sole purpose of kind of she needed to learn the lesson of how do I take control of my life and take care now to master that soul contract to really complete it yeah. that woman is going to have to make major changes. She's going to go have to go into that kind of rocky montage mode as well to get that soul contract and then take the steps. I mean, that's going to be a that's a hard one. It it can be really really hard to do because people resist change even when they know it would be good for them. Sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Um, everybody, everybody resists it. <laughs> I mean, I do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> We don't we don't like change. Most people, you know, we're, there's there's a fear about what might be around the corner if if things are different, and um, and and I think that's part of the human challenge to begin with, you know. So do soul contracts ever end? You know, I mean, I could I could think of a different example, but I, first of all, do they ever end? And I'm assuming that just because someone dies or passes on to the other side they they might not necessarily end there right right okay so i got so, that quite right a soul contract um continues until you get the lesson until you master that piece but 
then what happens is it evolves. Wow. So let's say you're you you're the mom and you've got the needy child and you're supposed to learn how to take better care of yourself but the child is extremely needy for whatever reason. And let's say you you suddenly realize, well, wow, he's not going to learn not to be needy until I step back and I need to be taking care of myself. So you start working on that. I'm talking to you like you're the mom, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Mr. Mom. <laughs> so you start working on that and um what happens is now it becomes a, pa a, a positive pattern. You've shifted this. Now you're the mom and you're letting your child learn to take care of himself better and you're really actually, like it's part of who you are. What will happen is that soul contract will evolve with you. So it may be that now instead of just being between your son and you and taking care of yourself and learning to get massages or you know whatever the thing is that you needed to do now it goes to the next level where um, something happens to your body and you're supposed to start working on your diet and so the, the the this or something happens to the son he has to work on his diet you realize you have to work on yours so it gets elevated uh -huh. you're still working on the same soul contract with your son it's just the upgraded version yeah now, once, so basically, the soul contract never truly ends in yeah. somebody's lifetime, and it can it can continue after somebody passes. You know, you, the you as the mom can continue. Well, I'm gonna son passes away, and the mom keeps going. The yeah. mom continues well in his honor. Or now I'm taking it even further because she remembers what he taught her. So they don't really. Um, you don't end until everybody's dead. <laughs> yeah, or well, it doesn't. Yeah, until everybody is. Yeah, that's true. Right. right. Cause, 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 <laughs> they just keep upgrading. <laughs> well, and how many people, you know, their parents' voices are not in the back of their head, just con right. you know, const constantly. <laughs> um, so thank you, you know, for that. Uh, all right. So is. So, okay, so my next question was, what can we do to complete a soul contract? You can't. You can, you can only make it go to the next level. You can only help by, for instance, going through these steps that we talked about to, to, how to, to, to bring it to a new level. But there's no such thing as really completing. There's a completing maybe a stage one, but it's an onion peeling layers type of a thing, uh, and, and you just sort of get to the next level. It's all about growth. Yes. It's all about growth. I mean, you can call it completing, but there's more coming. Yeah, yeah, you could graduate. Yeah, a certain yeah. Grade <laughs> there's six. always more. I mean, because that's why we're here. We're here to evolve these souls. Yeah. So why it's kind of a wasted opportunity to just end the soul contract. That's true. That's true. <laughs> now another way that people can 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 do it, and, and you know, I'm not trying to push. Uh, anybody into going to see a practitioner, but you, this is something that you, you personally work with people um, on their soul contracts. You help them. You, you offer what's called a soul contract reading or a soul contract session. Explain what we, you would do with somebody when, when they came to you to sort of help work, work with this subject matter. It's kind of like a, an expedited version of the, the steps that we already talked about. Yeah. So I connect with their guides, we look at them and look at, um, okay, so John has this soul contract in place, this one in place, this one with his mother, the, you know, all these different ones. We, we basically pinpoint it, look at the different angles through help from the guides. So rather than having to go into that really strong Rocky montage type 
um, observation mode, mm. the guides speed everything up because they give that information. Now, all along, the person's going, wow, oh, that makes so much sense. Oh, that makes so much sense. And so they're, they're really resonating with what's being said. So that's kind of the uh, link to the, the strong observation mode. And then I would work with the person to do a... We could call it um, to work and the guides and the Akashic Records. We can call it a, like a prayer request. And we actually go in and pull those soul contracts out of the Akashic Records that the person no longer needs anymore. Yeah, okay. Were you calling them vows at one time and you changed they're, it? Well, and they're re it's all really the same thing. Yeah. Personal vows, heart vows, commitments, oaths, agreements, contracts. It's just easier or more universal to call everything a soul contract. Yeah. But there's a lot of different um, variations. That makes a lot of sense. In All a way, right. it kind of doesn't matter, though. It's just labels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, for someone who's having trouble with this, then they, they could go, they could have a soul contract session and, and using the Akashic Records, would you call that sort of the, uh, the records that are in the spirit world there? The records of the soul. Of I the tell soul. people to think of them as a... As a a big, huge football stadium filled with every thought, action, experience your soul has ever had are in the Akashic Records. And that includes this lifetime and other lifetimes. All lifetimes, oh, yeah. It must be a big place. <laughs> but here's the crazy thing is you can't break a soul contract. Yeah, it's a big place. <laughs> you can't break a soul contract that you're not ready to break. You can't release it. Um, because some of these negative ones we want to release. We yeah. want to complete the ones in relationships, but the negative ones like vow of poverty, you know, I'd like to release that, but you can't release it until you're ready. Yes. So it's sometimes somebody will do a soul contract reading with me, and all we do in that reading is we look at here are the soul contracts that are getting in your way. Yep. And then I send them off to do observation mode and to really understand it. And then they come back and we, we release and clear everything that we can. Interesting. So that becomes more of like a coaching session, really. Um, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, as time goes on. And so, but then the other, the other assistance that you get, other than the through the Akashic Records, is is in communicating with their guides. And you know, I, I don't have that ability to communicate with my guides. I can't hear them. I'm, I'm sure they hear me. Um, <laughs> and I'm working on it. You know, I meditate a couple times a year. I should probably do it, right? <laughs> and. And so, but you have that ability to do that so you can help. And, and when I had my reading with you, you know, you know, I'm always come from a place of skepticism. So, but everything that you said resonated perfectly with me, you know, especially when you were talking about soul contracts and relationships. I mean, you had, you had them down. People you didn't know, you had, you know, you had everything uh, in, in, in incredible, accurate detail. And so to me, that's just all the evidence that I need to know that you're really, you're getting that information from somewhere. If you say it's spirit guides, I believe you, you know, why not? So, and I believe in spirit guides, so I think that's great. Um, but I wouldn't do it without. Here, here's the thing about me helping, like in a soul contract reading and a clearing. Yeah. I act as the middleman. I'm not doing the work. Right. I'm kind of helping the person and the Akashic Records and the guides all connect. But really, in the end, we're turning it over to the guides to do because they know way more than me. I don't want that responsibility. Sure. So it's yeah. a good thing I have that connection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're a middleman. Yeah. You're a bit of a messenger. Yeah. And, and yeah. Yes. <laughs> an observer. <laughs> all right. Um, let me just ask you before we go, we're getting winding down here. How did you learn about all, all this whole contract stuff to begin with? 
I learned it from my work with the animals. Oh. I resisted it big time, but I learned it from my work with the, the animals. Um, I, was, I was doing animal communication all the time, and they kept bringing me to deeper places than, um, well, I don't like my bed. I want a bigger bed. They kept, they, they kept bringing me to places like, well, Sally's really, really anxious, and I, I'm, that's why I'm peeing outside the litter box. Uh, because I want her to re they, ke they kept taking me to these deeper places and I, I didn't like it at first because I wanted to be like um, a mainstream animal communicator <laughs> yeah <laughs> which yeah. is kind of funny when you think about it because it's already an alternative way to be but I didn't want to branch out and they just kept pushing and pushing and then it started showing up in my work with people as well the guides were saying this is like an animal soul contract and I mean, it really came through my experience. So I haven't um, studied it other than experience. And so that's something else that, that and this, so this is sort of how it started. So really, I mean, you would also, you would be giving a reading, an animal communication reading with someone, and you were able to then tell that person what their soul contract with their horse, dog, iguana whatever it was at that time and yeah the, they would learn how their pet or whatever the animal in question was was helping them evolve how does that benefit somebody to know it uh because the relationship between the human and the animal and the the animal himself or herself will improve as the soul as the person moves along the soul contract mm. So as that Sally works on her anxiety because she realizes that as long as she stays anxious, her cat's going to keep peeing outside of the litter box. Right. <laughs> then it benefits both. We've got a, a happier, less anxious human providing a better environment for the cat. It's perfect. It's perfect. Uh, makes a lot of makes a lot of sense. It really all comes down to this whole soul contract thing. It's about. It's about having an awareness, a big picture awareness of what's really going on in, with, either with yourself or with your relationships. And, and, and that's where the soul contracts really help for you to really understand what's going on there. Why is this person in your life, really, yeah. um, when it comes to the relationships part, which who doesn't want, who hasn't asked that question? And once you know it, it makes it so much easier to be in that relationship. It's amazing. Yeah, you actually you actually do some events. That let me. The title is uh, "Why is that person in my life?" Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> I love it. Uh, people can find out more about you. They can find out more about your events. They can sign up for your newsletter, which educates people about these things. You're writing about these things all the time. I know there's some art. A lot of articles or I don't know if you call them articles or blogs or what, what it is, all about soul contracts uh, right there. It's daniellemckinnon.com. Um, uh, links right below the video here, so people can link right up to it. Uh, spell it. Spell, spell out the daniellemckinnon.com for people who are maybe just <laughs> listening to this. It's D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E-M-A-C-K-I-N-N-O-N.com. And if you spell it wrong, I've got it set up to still go. Yeah, yeah, and we can find <laughs> we can find you through Google or any of the search engines yep. either, right? All right. Well, that's great. This has been fascinating. It's been educational. Any last words that you wanted to say about it? That maybe something I missed out on that was important. I don't feel like you missed out on anything. I just, it, you know, 
the soul contract is kind of the key to the big picture. When you have the big picture, it makes it so much easier to understand your life and to not get all down into the, when you're not all down in the nitty gritty, it's just easier to figure out what to do and to make better decisions. So for me, the soul contracts and understanding them, those are the key to life right now. Yeah, I love it. I'm fascinated by this subject. Uh, and I, I just keep wanting to learn more and more and more, and I really appreciate this interview, and I'm sure that our audience is going to love it as well. So thank you, Danielle, for for coming back again, being our first guest and now coming back again. It's, it's been wonderful. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Thank you, Bob. All right, bye-bye now. Bye.